The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. Hi, everybody. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. I have to tell you um, a story. So first, I'm doing this episode in the very beginning of the school year. And I thought it was important because all the kids are going back to school. And I've already had an issue with one of my daughters coming home upset because some kid bullied her. So I reached out literally like a week ago and I was like, somebody needs to come on the podcast. We usually have authors, um, experts, speakers to talk about specific um, things that I might also be interested in. And I've never done an episode about bullying and I really want to get to the bottom of it. So I have somebody that I'm going to introduce in a second, but I just wanted to remind everyone I am now pushing my episodes to YouTube and I'm embarrassed to say that I basically have like 20 subscribers. So help your girlfriend out, (laughs) Megan Judge, who I know I have thousands of people that listen to my podcast. Where are my subscribers to YouTube? You can also see me with no makeup on. So that's also a plus. Um, There's lots of other things that um, I'm hoping will give you reason to turn on your computer and subscribe to YouTube. I also... Always appreciate a review on Apple if you're so inclined. I really appreciate them. And I think this subject that I'm about to introduce my guest is so important. So I'm hoping that if you have feedback or you have questions, I've had a couple moms send me questions already because they knew I was doing this. Please reach out. My Instagram is judging Megan. Um, and I am going to introduce Joe Constantine. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm good, Megan. How are you? We had a little, we had a, a, a kerfuffle. I love that word. It's 
can I use that word to describe what just happened? We had a little kerfuffle. That's about as good a word as I can think of. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Trying to get Joe on because um, the, the I report, I won't say who what I report on, but I report on a system and then it pushes to what another system and then to Apple. I'm the least technical person on the planet, but we could not get his sound fixed and there was all kinds of echoing. So whenever things start this way, it's always like, oh my God. How am I going to like get through this? But I think it's good to always start Rocky because then we end up, you know, having built a little bit of trust already, not even knowing each other going into the conversation because we started out in a Rocky place. Right. Um, Joe is a life coach and he also uh, lives in Colorado and he has a company called Breakaway Scores and he works with kids and mental health issues He's also a survivor of bullying himself. And so when I saw his bio and he reached out, I was like, please come on because I think you would be a perfect fit for my podcast. So welcome, Joe. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about your own story. We're going to kind of go right into it. Um, where are you from? I think I, it, I read that in your bio, you're from Rhode Island. Um, can you tell me a little about a bit? about growing up and like your own story with bullying and kind of how you got into what you're doing now. Yeah. So yes, I grew up in Warwick, Rhode Island back in the, uh, you know, in the mid, mid eighties into the nineties, graduated high school. Uh, I was literally the smallest kid you've probably ever seen graduate from high school. When I graduated, I was five, seven, I weighed 95 pounds. Uh, I was literally as small as the the incoming freshman girls, so that created a lot of struggles. I was always the smaller kid, and I dealt with a lot of um, issues at home with my with my older half brother, and I also dealt with massive bullying at school, like to the point of uh, I can't even tell you how many times I faked being sick so I couldn't go to school because I was afraid to go to school. Um, in middle school, I had two suicide attempts that I survived, and part of the problem that just kind of keeps refreshing the issue is, um, you know, you, you end up in this dark place because of this the issues you're dealing with, and then nobody actually does anything to help. And you know, I don't I don't blame my parents. My parents did what they they did what they could. They didn't know what to do. This is this is 1987. Nobody knows. Nobody wanted to talk about it first off, yeah. but then also nobody really knew what to do with it. And the school, the school council, the school administration, all just told, oh, he's just looking for attention. Don't worry about it. It's nothing to be concerned about. Um, and then. As word got out of what happened, I got bullied because of that. I got teased. I got razzed about about actually attempting suicide. So it just – it was this ever-refreshing uh, cycle that never stopped. And, um, you know, it's, it's tough. It's, you know, a lot of kids deal with a lot of things. Um, I had a tough time. Kids nowadays are having a tough time. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not that it's any better or worse now. It's just different. It's different. Yeah. So let me start out by telling you how sorry I am. Um, I, I also went through a brief period. I mean, it wasn't, it was a few years as a little girl where I was bullied just because I was a little bit different. I went through this awkward, like kind of chubby phase. Um, and I was 
you know, the girl that was like over in like the plants and the forest singing and making up show tunes. Like I just was a little different, you know? And the thing about bullying is it sticks with you. Right. And, and you bring it into adulthood. And so I'm traumatized by remembering being bullied as a little girl And then what I did is when I grew and boys started liking me and I started getting the attention, I was so angry about what had happened to me that I turned it around and I turned into a bully in high school. So I was a little bit of a bully. And it was just because I was so angry about what happened. Um, I, I, my heart goes out to you because it was so bad that you didn't want to be here anymore. And I just, there's so many people that have gone through the same like cycle of being bullied and brought that into their adulthood and never forget it. Right. Oh, a hundred percent. And you know, it's, it's tough because one of the things I want to point out and, you know, because uh, with the number of kids I've worked with over the years, both in athletics and in mentoring and coaching, um, I've come across teen suicide quite a bit mm-hmm. and, and suicide in general. I've lost several friends over the years to um, to suicide. And one of the things that you said, and this is, I think, a maybe it's just a maybe it's just wording. Maybe it's maybe it's the, uh, something that needs to be pointed out that a lot of people need to think differently is. In many cases, myself included, it's not that I wanted to die. It was I didn't see another option. Mm-hmm. I just wanted I just wanted the pain to end. I just wanted to not have to um, struggle. And you get to a point where you don't feel like you have any options anymore. Um, so I think I think it's I think it's a an important point to make. But I think that a lot of people just don't think of it this way. It's not that. It's not that they necessarily want to die. Um, it's more that they just don't see another option. They don't want the, I mean, it's interesting you bring this up. So I was actually, it's kind of come full circle. I recorded on somebody else's podcast today. So before we were, were recording right now, I was asked to be on somebody's podcast and kind of share my story. Um, I also went through a period of my life. I'm very open about this where I was, I about three years ago was suicidal. Part of why I started the mm-hmm. podcast was to, to, you know, it's very important to me to break the cycle of people being honest about their struggles with mental health. I think people like you and I, the more we share our stories, the more people will be like, less judgmental. Like you talked about going back to school and getting teased all over mm-hmm. again because you attempted suicide. Like, I, I don't know. There's just such, and growing up in the eighties as well, like it, you know, we didn't have the support. We didn't have the, it wasn't normal to be like, Oh, I need to go to a therapist and I need to like, you know, work through like why I'm feeling these things. So I really appreciate you sharing that because I think it's so important and there are so many teenagers and kids right now that are struggling with being bullied as well as we didn't have social media so imagine 
imagine the trauma of on top of like, we, we could go home at three o'clock in the afternoon and be done. And unless you talk to somebody on a phone or you heard a story about a kid teasing you over the phone, you were done for the day. You were like free from it. Right. But the kids now it's like a constant right. cycle of bullying, which is so different. Um, I wanted to ask you it, with your research and all the stuff, you know, so I'm going to tell you a quick story. My daughter came home second day of school. She's in seventh grade. She would kill me for even talking about her. So I'll make this brief. Some girl, um, <laughs> some girl like turned around second day of school. She's, you know, she's 12. She cares about what she looks like. She's like into all the things that every mm-hmm. seventh grader preteen is into almost teen. And she went to answer a question and the teacher turned around or this girl turned around and was like, why is your hand covering your mouth? Like making fun of my daughter because she was embarrassed because she asked some question and was laughing with her teacher. And the thing is, what as a parent, what broke my heart and literally I wish I'm that parent, like watch out. Cause I will go to school and like, be like, leave my kid alone. Like in that movie, this is 40 when the mom confronts Melissa McCarthy because her kid was teasing her. Right. Like, yeah. I'm that mom, I think. So I really have to chill, but it, it broke me to know that my daughter was in this happy moment, laughing with her teacher. She's already shy. She's already struggling. And then this kid turns around and takes that whole moment of happiness away from her. So my question to you is why do kids do this? Where does it come from? I need, I I have to know why I have to know. I don't understand it. You know, that is, uh, how long do we have? I think you said Um, an hour. Um, We we can talk about this topic. Yeah, <laughs> we could talk about this topic for day for days on end. Um, yeah, the the big the there's a there's a few big ones that I see as a recurrence. It's because I, I do in some cases um, also work with not just the kids who are bullied, but the bullies. Um, and a lot of times it come. There's a couple of different things that happens. One is in many cases they they're bullied at home. You know that they're they're. You know whether they're whether they're abused. I mean, in the worst case, hopefully that's not what's happening, but it, it can be. Um, sometimes you know their parents you know talk to them in ways that make them feel like less, and they feel like that's an acceptable thing to do. Uh, some of them they just they feel so low about themselves that they're trying to make themselves feel better by dragging somebody down quote unquote beneath them. Mm-hmm. And then one of the other pieces I see is more of a um self-preservation tactic where they're the kid that could very well be bullied, but they're not. You know, that they 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 you know, I'm getting bullied and this kid over here could just as easily be the target, but he's not. So he's gonna join in as a way to for him to protect himself. So those are the three main pieces that I that I've you know come across the most. I mean, there's 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 a million reasons why a kid turns into the bully, why a kid um, treats somebody in that way. You know, it, it's one of the tough things, and and I've been as guilty of it as anybody over the years. Is so many. This is more boys than girls. Mm-hmm. 
the way we talk to each other as friends and I understand the intent and the context of me and my friends, you know, talking trash to each other. And somebody else may not understand that. And a kid that see that sees that witnesses that might not understand that and think that that's a good way for them to talk to each other. So there's, there's a, again, there's a lot of different ways that the, um, the cycle occurs and it's just a matter of taking each one as it comes and trying to make the most out of the situation and trying to, you know, when I've worked with the kids that are the bully, you know, maybe, maybe like um, they got in trouble is usually how it started. They got, they got reprimanded by school or at home. And then their parents are like, what, what's going on? What is, what's the problem here? And the kid's like, I don't, I don't know. This is, I, I don't know. And they have, um, in some cases, they'll, they'll be like, hey, you know, don't do that anymore. And then they get in trouble again. And then they, you know, the parents, okay, well, let's, 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 let's find a, let's find a therapist uh, because that's a normal first step in this process. Mm-hmm. The thing is, what we know is that a lot of kids, therapy doesn't work. And it's not that there's a problem with therapy, it could be the pairing of the therapist and the kid. It could be the kid. The kid's not ready for it. It could be that what the therapist is doing is more geared towards adults who have a much more developed thought process and and brain function. You know, kids at 15, 16, 17 years old, they don't have the executive functioning skills. They don't have the critical thinking skills. They haven't developed the, the logic skills to to come through this stuff. And so the way that we have to address it is, is greatly different. And for so many years, we went under the assumption in all of these cases, in, in therapy, in school, in society, as saying at 18, the brain's fully, fully developed and, the, and this kid is an adult. And what we're seeing more and more, so much of the research shows that you know, and this is not, this isn't brand new stuff. This is it's just showing that that time where the brain is quote unquote fully developed is closer to 30. Yeah. 27. So yeah, they're saying, I, I've, I've, yeah, yeah. I, for yeah. girls, I've seen the, the latest stuff I've seen for girls is 26, 27 for boys. It's 28, 29. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. And, and obviously, and obviously there's a lot of differences that, that occur there, but mm-hmm. then we throw in traumatic experiences like getting bullied, like getting abused, like getting um, injured in sports or a car accident or, you know, insert, insert traumatic, traumatic event. There's, there's the, you know, the brain doesn't, our brain, when it comes to trauma goes back to the primal days where the trauma was getting chased by a lion in the, in the, in the plains of Africa. Our mm-hmm. brain doesn't know the difference from a self-preservation standpoint of being chased by a lion versus somebody not being nice to us when we're seven years old. So when we when we have that happen, we're skewing that developmental line, that timeline mm-hmm. for brain development. So you hear all the time that when people go through trauma, they are sometimes stuck as a you know there's parts of their brain they get stuck at 10 years old, at 12 years old, whatever age it might be, and. You, we have to recognize that when we're we're treating it. You know, one of the things that I went through with one of my therapists, um, more of a, a spiritual healing, not you know, not the traditional talk therapy, kind of a um, 
It's called cellular release therapy. It's kind of a – the best way to describe it in simplest terms is the form of hypnotherapy. And one of the things that we realized was I, I had no recollection of how young I was when any of this stuff started. So for me, one of the challenges has always been realizing what is normal. And I've grown to hate that word. Yeah. You know, the word normal. It's like there there is no normal. But what I've started starting to think about is well, what is my baseline? Where 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 am I aiming for? And you know, and that led to a lot of stress of what's wrong with me? How do how do I? How, so I mean, the the why? Getting back to the the question of why do kids bully? I almost in some cases feel like it's it's immaterial because it's it's happening and it's. It's going to continue to happen, and what we have to do is is work around how to um, how to right the ship, how to correct the patterns, how to um, intervene and stop the stop the action, and uh, how to assist. I hate to I, and I hate to use the word victim here, but it, it kind of it is the right word to use. Um, to stop the kid from becoming a lifelong victim. Yeah. I, I, something you said too, that's important to point out is the difference between boys and girls in bullying. So I get like, I'll never understand being a boy being bullied. And it seems like a lot of it stems from like size or if you play sports or if you're this, or if you're that, there's a, but what I find with girls is there's like a pack mentality and it's like, there's the queen bee, right? And this goes into adulthood. So there can be mom bullies or dad bullies and the pack mentality behind it is there's going to be the queen bee and the queen bee is the one that has to get all the control. And then all the other minions follow what the queen bee says. And if the queen bee says, I don't like your dress today. It's ugly. It's blue. And then everyone uh-huh. else goes, Oh my God, her, her dress is so hideous. It's blue. Then you're, it's like, it, that's the thing. It's like such a mean, like pile on, you know, and whatever the narrative that kids or adults put into their heads to say that this is okay is where the cycle needs to be broken. So for example, I have two daughters. One is, in third grade, one is in seventh grade, totally different, like kids, totally Mm -hmm. different um, personalities. One's really shy and kind of like anxious. And the other one will like talk to like anyone, like she's very outgoing. Um, But what I found is already at this age, I found it comes from the home. So if the parents turn the other cheek and they say, they're, they're like, oh, I just want my kid to be in the cool group but they don't like talk to their kid about the most important thing that I try to talk to my kids about every day is kindness. Go to school and be kind. I don't care if you have the best dress in the school or you look a certain way, be kind. That's all I'm asking you to do because if more kids decided, Oh, it's like, I'm going to be kind because so-and-so, you know, is the queen bee or one of the more popular kids. And she thinks it's okay not to be kind. Maybe they'll follow suit. Maybe that's way too Pollyanna, but what I'm saying is I've noticed in my (laughs) oldest daughter's grade, 
that the parents were not involved and they just were like, oh, the let the girls have a free for all and we'll let them all, you know, just have this big friend click and not be open to everybody being involved. With my younger daughter, I'm like, I've heard that from another grade, oh, this is what we did. We have a text chain with all the moms and all the moms talk to each other and make plans so that a whole group can be together. And it's not like where one kid is left out. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. So it can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode when faced with challenges in life. Something that I found is in my own experience, I was in therapy for a long time, loved my therapist. She's taking a break so she can write a book. So I decided to fill out the survey myself on BetterHelp. And I will tell you right now, I was matched up with the best therapist. I didn't think it was possible. I used my own discount and I did it. Um, so I just want you to know that this is not just an ad. I'm actually a real BetterHelp client. I love it. I love the therapist they matched me up with. And I can just tell you it was super convenient. It's a great option. It's accessible. It's affordable. And it's entirely online. So what you do is you type in betterhelp.com slash judging Megan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the show. Um, also I'm asking, this is more me throwing out what I'm doing as a parent. So maybe if my listeners are listening and they have ideas, please send them my way or please send them Joe's way. Um, my daughter came home the other day and said, we're doing a group costume. And I was like, well, that's nice, but it's four or five of you that want to do the group costume. What about the other 10 people in the class that are girls that have their feelings hurt because they're not in the group costume? Right. So it's little things like that. And I'm really just like throwing that out there because that's my own experience and seeing what your thoughts are on that. You know, that's that's a super interesting and a very complex piece as well. The whole idea of the the, the idea of being left out and. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's tough because obviously we can't include everyone. Yeah. Not everyone necessarily wants to be included. Okay. Uh at the same time um in you know in in concept I I like what you're doing. You you're, you're putting at least at the, the at the very least you're putting the thought in your kid's head of, "Hey, what about this and that's leading to that deci- that more advanced decision making process of okay well you have like a lot of what kids don't a big thing kids don't understand at a young age is the connection between choice and consequence mm-hmm. and that that's what leads to what looks like severe lack of impulse control and it's not that they don't have control of their impulses it's that they don't have the cognitive ability to understand, okay, I make this choice and then this happens and, and necessarily making the connection there. But they also don't have the experience, the life experience to understand that consequences 
don't necessarily go away overnight. You know, when you uh, aren't, you know, when you're not kind to somebody, like you were saying, just you know, be kind. I mean, it, it, it's it sounds so simple, so cliche, so silly, but it, it really is such a a huge uh, piece of of fixing the issue that is that is bullying, and you know, getting yeah. into um, how to. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, how to influence our kids to make better choices when it comes to this stuff. And it, it really does come down to choices. You know, kids are influenced by their parents primarily, uh, secondarily by the teachers. You know, so what they observe, what they see, how they see you presenting is how they're going. That That's going to be a huge foundation into how they present, especially prior to age. I think some of the stuff I've read is like age seven, eight, nine ish. Mm-hmm. Um, you are I mean, what the, the imprint that you put on your children is a massive reflection of what they're going to, how they're going to, how they're going to act, uh, particularly in society, particularly in early interactions with people. And, and in a lot of cases, like you were saying, you know, girls versus boys, which again, it's, it, it, there is a, there's a, there's a difference, but I think a lot of the psychology that goes into where it's coming from is very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, generally speaking, I think the biggest piece of the bully's mentality is insecurity. Uh, it's the, yeah. it, it's just, they're not comfortable. You know, the, you know, you've got the kid that is the, let's say she's the, the head cheerleader, the captain of the cheerleader and the captain of the football team. And they are so stereotypically known as the bully, the queen bee, the, mm-hmm. the, the royal family of the high school, so to speak. And neither one of them necessarily feels that comfortable or confident in that position of that position of power, let's just say, just again, for lack of a better word on the fly, you know, they, they don't necessarily feel comfortable in that position. So any, anything that could be seen as a challenge to that authority, so to speak, they see as a threat. And when we go back again, we go back to the primal mind. What is the, the one that your brain has one job survival. Your brain doesn't really care about anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's funny. Um, I'm currently uh, rereading the book spark, which talks about the, the mind body connection and a lot of the, the aspects of physical activity surrounding mental health and uh, mental wellness. And one of the things they talk about is the you, you again you go back five thousand years, mm-hmm. our ability to learn was all based on our desire to eat. You know, we learned patterns so that we could so that we could feed ourselves. We were hunter gatherers, and we knew we we learned how one how to hunt, how to gather, where to find said food to gather, where to where and when to find the animals that we were going to hunt and and consume. Yeah. So our ability to learn was surrounded by our need, our inherent need to survive. So and again we get back to that that primal mind that that we still Part of it is still five thousand years old. It's it, it it just wants to avoid threats. It wants safety. It wants security. So when somebody appears to me as a threat, you know, let's say I'm the 
I'm the captain of the football team and I'm, you know, I'm barely squeaking by in my grades. And then there's the little nerd who just shows up to class, barely pays attention. He's sitting there doodling on his paper all day and he's getting A's. And I'm going to see that as a threat. Yeah. And I want to put that kid in my plate, in his place, you know, and it, it's it, when we, when we really think about it as adults and we are logical about it, it's like, wow, this, this sounds ridiculous. This is stupid. Uh, but we have to remember that that 14 year old boy, 14 year old girl, 15 year, they don't, they don't understand that. They don't have as much of the ability to, string together these these chains of logic and understand oh hey yeah, oh wait that that really does sound stupid um so the 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 simpler concept like you said of just be kind be a good person um is a very simple and and uh, attainable thing for these kids and one of the things if we get into how are we going to Again, we're not going to end bullying any any more than we're going to make sure that every person on the planet is a nice person. It's just it's just it it's an it's an unfortunate. It will truth. never happen. Yeah, but it, it's not going to happen. We're not going yeah. to erase hate. We're not going to erase insecurity. We're not going to er- erase um, these things. It just they're they're always going to be there. Now, here's the thing: the vast majority of people are good people. Everybody wants to be nice. Everybody wants to be a good person. Um, kids, kid, the kids are taught anger. Kids are taught, you know, to not be kind. They inherently are kind. But the the fact that one of the big things that I that I've seen is is where we're seeing uh, less problems from bullying is where we're seeing kids that are again lack of a better way of putting it, kids that are higher on the food chain, so to speak, are stepping in and not just being the the quote-unquote not-so-innocent bystander. Um, a woman I spoke to out here a few months back who her son dealt with some really bad bullying issues to the point where um, they've created a foundation for helping kids that are that are kids and families that are recovering from the aftermath of being bullied so bad to the point where they had a lawsuit with the school district wow. um, because it had gotten that bad. Yeah. And one of the, one of the things she talked about a lot and that, you know, we we really bought it because I hadn't I hadn't worded it this way, but I always thought that this was a, a huge key was the not so innocent bystander, the person who can intervene but chooses not to. And I think a lot of kids don't think about it this way. They don't see themselves as the person who could intervene. And if they do, they don't necessarily see the per- see them as they should intervene. They're kind of sitting there going, well, what do I do here? How do I, how do I step in here? How do I help? Hey, I, I mean, you know, Billy's a, Billy's a good kid. He doesn't deserve this, but better him than me. Is one as yeah, one so thought it, process that happens? Is it being too afraid to speak up? 
Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. This time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. And is it about like the school's responsibility to educate the kids and have more? Because I feel like that's not happening, you know, where the ki- where the schools are involved enough to say... I mean, I think it is like they talk to the kids about it, but I think it's just one of those things like, oh, it's English class. We're going to have a talk about bullying and let's go to research, recess and be done with this. Right. You know, one of the things I see um, is I think teachers and school counselors and people around the schools want to do more to help. Mm-hmm. But I think that the administration and the bureaucracy is getting in their way more. One of the things I have I've been told and you know, I've tried to go into schools and be like, hey, I want to talk about bullying, I want to talk about suicide awareness, I want to talk about mm-hmm. these things. And the 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 constant and the answer I always get, almost always, is, oh, we've got that under control. Yeah. We've got that handled. And it's like, well, it doesn't really seem that way because here's the number of kids that you have that have – here's the number of kids that have that have died by suicide in the last few years. Out here, we have a couple of schools that um, have, have experienced massive problems with um, suicide within the schools. And if the schools are doing – if the schools have it handled, why do we have that problem? 
Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was explained to me by one by one person was the schools are they, they feel like in a lot of cases they feel like they're powerless to do anything about it because the second they, they turn over that rock, they see what's under there and it's way more than they know that they can than they can handle. And it's it's up to all of us to try to find the solutions there. But you know, I think a lot of parents think the schools are doing more than they are to handle this. I think the schools are sitting there going, "Hey, not this isn't for us." We hey, we had an assembly on, on the first day of school. We 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 have a poster over here that says zero tolerance for bullying, you know. Um and the the problem is that the zero tolerance for bullying, the assembly, the discussions about it are only as good as the um Enforcement. You know, one of the problems I had at one point was um, I got the crap beat out of me one time. Don't even know who did it. I got I got this hit from behind. Were, I hit the floor. Were, this was when you were a kid. This was when I was in high school. Okay. Um, I got I got punched in the back of the head or hit with something from behind. I was borderline unconscious. I woke up with you know, a bloody nose and blood on the floor. And I got taken into the vice principal's office and I got suspended for getting in a fight. How do you suspend one? How do you suspend one person for a fight? Especially a kid who has come to you in many occasions after being bullied. There's been, you know, uh, numerous accounts and they just sent me home because and the way it was explained to me years and years later from, you know, from somebody else in the school was, well, it's, if we call it a fight, we don't have to acknowledge that you were actually assaulted. That's and unbelievable. When we acknowledge, That's unbelievable. When we, when we acknowledge that you were assaulted, we are bound to act on it. Yeah. And when we act on it, and in some in some places, uh, one school when I lived in San Diego, the ath- athletic director at the school explained to me that if we acknowledge the bullying, we acknowledge you know the other levels. I mean, I I, I have. In my opinion, one of the things we have to do is break down "quote unquote" bullying into what into categories, uh, almost like a spectrum. We can't just keep calling this this huge array of things bullying. You know, there's there's more to it than that. Can you, um, can you explain what that means? Like break it down into a spectrum. So so the way the way I look at it, and this is just this is just me. This is this is how I. And this stemmed from a conversation with a parent of a kid that I was working with who he, he dealt with a little bit of bullying here and there. Nothing over the top, nothing really bad, just but he was really feeling bad about himself because of it. And he had, the dad asked me, and I've had this question a few times, is, is there a certain amount of bullying that we should allow? And the, the, in my opinion, the answer is yes, actually. I think that there's a certain amount that allowing some, it helps kids learn to manage dispute. It helps kids learn to deal with difficult situations. It helps us build a thicker skin, which I think is sadly needed more and more in uh, in today's society where everybody is so upset and so offended by every little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that in a lot of cases, we do need to learn to just kind of suck it up a little bit. Now, with that said, how do we draw that line? 
that I mean, what, what I mean, we we see we'll see multiple kids that dealt with the same level of bullying, abuse, everything else, abuse at home, abuse at school, bullying, um, uh, coaches and teachers uh, treating you know mistreating them in in school and in, and in sports, and we see two kids that dealt with the exact same thing. And one kid is in therapy for the rest of his life. The other kid, it's like nothing ever happened. And so how do we, how do we define where is that cutoff? What's that line? And the answer is that we can't. There's, there's, there's no way to know how it's going to impact each individual. Uh, because part of how it impacts us is based on how we are able to respond. And the, the, again, going back to the primal mind, the freeze, fight, and flight. You know, how do we respond when this happens? You know, a lot of the, you, you get situations like me at that time where I was so small, I couldn't defend myself. I couldn't do anything about it. And in several instances where I had I had to deal with stuff, I wanted to go into the flight mode, but I couldn't. I couldn't escape the situation. I'm mm-hmm. on the school bus. I'm in um, I'm in the locker room. I you know, there, there was, I just couldn't I couldn't escape. And there's another traumatic experience to add to the list. Now, back to the initial question, the way I break it down, and this, again, this is just, this is me, this is just, and again, it's, are they the perfect terms for it? Maybe, maybe not. Mm -hmm. And we have teasing. Generally, relatively harmless, both in, both in, um, in, a, in intent and in application and, in, and intent matters. I mean, if, if, if I've got one friend of mine, call me a name and I know he's just goofing because that's just how we work. I take it one way. If somebody calls me the exact same thing, but I know their intent is to insult me, to harm me, to beat me down, I'm going to receive it differently. So we, we we have teasing. Teasing again, relatively harmless can can be a can be problematic, uh, but in general, it's it's very low level. Then we get into, and again, again, this is just me. Hazing. Hazing is kind of like teasing, but it's as part of a of an acceptance type ritual. The problem with hazing is it can go over the top. Because we get into this mentality of, well, if this was good, this is better. And, and we and we see this happen. And then also it's like, oh, wait, we went too far. Um, we see that a lot of times in fraternities and sororities in, in college. We see that in, in small groups. And we see that we see that a lot in um, high school cheerleading, especially. We, we see the hazing rituals go too far and somebody gets hurt. I mean, I've, I can think of a few examples when I was back in college where uh, fraternity hazing uh, led to somebody dying. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a process. We have to, again, we, where do we draw the line? Then we get to what I put in the middle, which is bullying, which is the intent is to harm. The intent is to make you feel bad. The, and, and, and it's going to that's – the, that's the whole point is it's to beat you down a little bit. Then we get to abuse, which is where the bullying starts to involve more physical. We see that more with boys. We do see it with girls. Mm-hmm. And then that last piece, which is what 
fortunately we don't see as much of what we do see is assault and I haven't seen too many people who I've talked to who break it down that way. I've had a lot of people go, wow, that's that's a really interesting way to look at it in terms of how do we evaluate. And Here's the thing. Now, we have those five categories that I just rattled off. For each person, the dividing line between those is going to be different. You know, the dividing line between – you know, I mean, teasing and hazing is kind of it, there's, there's a there's a good solid line. The, the solid line is is that the hazing is intended to be part of a an acceptance. You know how how much how much of my crap can you put up with before it's too much? Yeah. And again, not to say not to say that it's inherently just needs to be accepted, um, but there's still a one of the things with hazing is that you have the option to. To flee, you can you can just go. Oh, yeah, you know what? No, I'm not putting up with this. Well, uh, but we go from bullying to a. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm yeah. wondering. No, no, you're good. I'm wondering because the the you know all of these levels, and I get what you're saying. That does make sense that there should be because there's there's so many things that parent like parent as a parent you're like, oh, we're gonna give every kid a trophy, every kid this, every kid that. So I do agree that kids should be have be humbled a little bit and teasing's normal hazing all of that stuff I mean I went to college I went to all girls boarding school I told you I grew up being bullied Mm -hmm. I was never physically injured being bullied like you were which is life-changing um I do think what you said about everything coming from the home it makes sense a lot of times that if you're treated or mistreated a certain way that you're going to lash out and then go to school. I know in Mm -hmm. my own situation, I was bullied in that period of time. And then when I was the one that people wanted to be friends with, I turned it around and then I turned into the bully. And, and, and I now have regrets about a period that I went through in part of high school and part of college where I was not the nicest girl. I was kind of a mean girl. And I even have a story that I can remember where I said in my head, this is not okay. Like, I cannot be a part of this. Why am I doing this? Um, So I appreciate every single, all the different steps that you're talking about. I, I wonder for the sake of time, really, like, what are some of the things that we can do as parents or a society to stop this? Because I also understand that, like we talked about, there is social media. They, the kids were trapped during COVID. So their mental health suffered even more from that. Our suicide rates between the ages of, I, I think, 10 Mm -hmm. and 24 are at least quadruple what they were five years ago pre-COVID, four four or five years ago. And I'm guessing that these kids that were trapped in houses are going back to school more aggressive than ever to, you know, if they are a bully or whatever they are. So I hate, I'm sorry for the like long-winded thing that I just threw out there, but I was just wondering like, what can be done? What can parents do? What can people do to minimize this? You know, you know what, uh, that's, that's, a great lead into to stuff, and, and that's it's a it's a such such an important point. And what can parents do is the the age old question. And it, it's it's here's the thing: is one is it's not completely on the parents 
You know, the, the, the kids have to, like you said, you, you went from being the bullied to being the bully Mm -hmm. and you learned a lesson from it and you can go, you can go on and teach that lesson to others. You can see that behavior in your kids. You can even potentially see that behavior in your friend's kids and be like, are are you, are you going to let that go? Um, so do you Part think of the number one calling it out? Like if there's a parent and you're like, I mean, do, this is just me being a parent. Do you say, I, Hey, like I'm friendly with you. I heard your kids doing this. Or do you just shut up? Like, what do you do? And again, um, if only it was that simple. Yeah. Um, yes. Calling accountability is, is a massive piece of this, of this puzzle. In my opinion, I think that people need to be held a lot more accountable for their actions. Mm -hmm. You know, do we need to throw every kid who beats somebody up in juvenile hall? No, that, that'd be stupid. Uh, but there does need to be some level of accountability for the behavior. Um, when a parent sees a friend's kid, here's the thing. If you're a friend, and your friend's kid is is being this. You're not being a friend by ignoring it. A friend is going to be like is going to come in and go, "Hey, this is what I'm seeing, dude. Are you, are you sure you're okay with this?" You know, I mean, obviously you have to. Each person has to measure up their relationship as to what they can, what they can, and what they are comfortable with um, saying in terms of in terms of those events. I mean. I one of the things I I, <laughs> I have trouble with my filter when I see this stuff going on, uh, and I sometimes am a little too quick to just be like, "Are you blank kidding me?" You know, I, I've 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 watched you know situations you know in. In, in public and I see a kid bullying another kid. I see a parent bullying an, uh, an adult uh, bullying another adult. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, are you serious? But I think, that's, like, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I think I, that's good that you're calling it out. I, I think there's way too much like, like turning the other cheek with parents in general and just being like, uh, well, if my kid's not the one being bullied, I just want to turn the other cheek because they're in the cool group or they're in the whatever group. So I'm just not going to say anything. Whereas I tell people, if you ever hear that my kid, and I'm saying this, by the way, if you're listening to this, if you ever hear one of my kids is bullying or being unkind or doing like mean girl stuff, please call me, please email me. I don't even care if we're friends. I don't care if you hate me or I we're not friends. I want to know. And I think that I love that you said that, you know, I think you did, you doing the right thing by calling it out. That's just my opinion. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's what you just said is, is great. And the, the problem is, or they shouldn't say the problem. The challenge is that a lot of people don't want to hear it. It's mm-hmm. being the bully is a safer place. You're, I mean, and, and most parents will never find out that their kid is the bully because the bullied the victim is quiet. The victim is afraid that if I say anything, it's going to get worse. You know, I mean, this, this, you know, some of the stuff that I dealt with from my older brother, um, I was very quiet about because every every time I every time he beat me up, it was a hey, if you say anything, it's going to get worse, and I believe that because it it was getting worse anyway. Yeah. Um, and then one day. Uh, my gym teacher saw me changing for gym class 
and I was black and blue from uh, my, my entire upper body was black and blue. And the only reason it came out was because they saw that they pulled me aside. They were ready to call the police on my parents because they just assumed that it was my, that was, that was my parents that were doing this. And I'm like, no, it's not my parents. It's my brother. And, and here's, here was the, here was the problem that came from that is my gym. Like, no, no, no. We know your brother. He wouldn't do that. And I'm like, well, apparently you don't know my brother um, because that this is him. And once it went from when it when, when they thought it was my parents, they're ready to call the police. They're ready to call child protective services. They're, they're ready. They're ready to, to, to roll in, you know, guns a blazing. But, oh, it was your brother? OK, well, just boys being boys. Ugh. All of a sudden, nobody really cared. All of a sudden, nobody really cared. You know, it's just brothers. Yeah. You know, and it's, there's there's just so much that I think we need to change the way we view it. We need to see that if a kid is hurting, a kid is hurting, period, end of story. We don't need to, we don't need to sit there and delineate. Well, oh, you know what? It's just, it's a kid his age that's, that's beating him up on a regular basis. It's not his dad. So it's, it's, it's okay. And when, when, again, this is one of those ones when when you say it, it sounds kind of stupid, doesn't it? Uh, but for some reason, we make a delineation here. You know, you get like for, for one of the things I dealt with at school, and, and you know, it's it's funny because uh, we talk about with the like with school shootings, with, with school violence, we talk about well, you know, one of the thing, one of the one of the things that we could do that would greatly quell. Uh, school shootings is locking down the schools, making making it harder to get into the school. There, there's no there's no question that would make a difference. However, then you get a kid, and again, I know this is the minority case, but it's a case we need to think about. Mm-hmm. Is I never came or left the same door at school twice because I knew there was somebody there waiting to give to torment me, to beat me, to to you know, whatever, whatever was going to happen, I would, I'd be riding my bike into school and I'd just be riding along. And all of a sudden somebody come out of nowhere and just push me off my bike. I got trapped in, I, I would literally not go to the bathroom all day at school. Cause I was afraid to go into the bathroom because I was going to get beat up in there. Bring up that, you bring up that point and it is such a huge point. These, the majority of these school shooters have been bullied. That's the, the statistic hit. And, it, uh, you know, the, the, the Secret Service did a piece, uh, mm-hmm. did a, a, a huge study on how to, one, how, how to identify, how to prevent, how to adjust, and how to uh, react when when there is a, um, a school shooter uh, piece. And the, the, the overwhelmingly, there were two massive risk factors. One was bullying, two was drugs. Um, those are the two biggest risk factors. And then we can also talk about the link between being bullied and turning to drugs because, I mean, kids turn to substance abuse just like adults do mm-hmm. as a way to – as a way to cope, as a as – a, yeah. to, to self-medicate. It, the drug use in kids is generally speaking, it is not the problem. It is a symptom. Now, it's a symptom that becomes a problem, but it's it's usually from some other – issue that, that that has occurred so you know, there's, there's no denying that these things happen um you know and the the more we again one problem begets the next problem begets the next problem and then we have to prioritize which one do we 
fixed. But if we never get back to that root cause, I mean, if you if you look at all these all these these kids that shoot up schools, and it, it, in God help, fortunately, it doesn't happen more than it does. Uh, but if you if you go back, these kids all dealt with some kind of abuse, whether bullying, abuse at home, whatever it was. They 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 all dealt with stuff, and this is. This is their their revenge, and in some cases, this is their suicide note. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people don't want to go back and deal with the root cause, which is why are we getting to this point? Not even let's let's not let's not even talk about reacting to the issue. Let's talk about how do we how do we stop it from happening in the first place? And this is this, what we're talking about is a massive piece of that. Is it all of it? No, of course not. There's, 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 there's never one, there's never one cause. There's never one solution to anything. I mean, you know, go into anything medical. There's, there's, there's always more than one way to treat a disorder, you know, and here we have, whereas like, you know, the cold or a broken leg or cancer is a, dis, is a disorder in, in the human body. What we're talking about is disorder in society. And if we don't get to what caused that disorder, or what's creating it, we're never going to fix it. Well, I also think it's access to so much more stuff like we talked about than we had. So like with in your situation, words hurt you, but also the physical abuse hurt you. In my situation, yeah. the words hurt me. And the words stuck yeah. with me. And then the words have stuck with me into adulthood to the point where, I mean, mm-hmm. women can even be horrible to other women. Men can be... I watch these sports teams and some of these men are psychotic on the sport, on the sidelines. And I'm, you know, saying things to young boys that should not be said and fighting with other dads. I think my own opinion. And once again, I'm very Pollyanna about certain things. And I love saying Pollyanna, if you haven't noticed. Uh, (laughs) um, I think I love what you said about the school because it is so, so, so true. Okay. Um, I wanted, I had an, uh, guest come on about our, the, this is a separate episode, but of the fentanyl crisis in our country. Right. And, um, ta- mm-hmm. and I was like, That's Oh, a massive you be, problem. yeah, you would be so great if you came and talked to all the schools in the area. I happen to be at a private school. It's a little different, but the public schools and like going out to the public schools and it's like, they don't want to hear it. And so it makes sense what you're saying when I put the pieces together. Yes, they the intention is good, but what I think is it should come from the the start of it is like every kid should have should have mental health services at like available for them and have a session once a week or something like that. I mean, it should be something where this is just this problem's getting bigger and bigger and this ball's like spinning. And then you have the TikTok and then you have the this, you know what I'm saying? So it does make sense that it should be, it stems from like what the school, I think every school should have more services and not just like a guidance counselor, but in depth, um, like mental health for all the students. I don't know. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, there definitely needs to be, and I think it's improving in a lot of places. I know, I know a couple of the school districts here are doing more in the coming years to provide more mental health treatment services, to provide more access to the information. Because a lot of, a lot of the problem, you know, and this, and I have this discussion a lot and I recently took, um, 
an educational class on mental health first aid for kid for kids and teens mm-hmm. to because with what I do just to have more to understand what are the big red flags of mental health because that's ultimately what we're talking about here is mental health mm-hmm. and not just acute mental health but chronic long term mental health and one of the things they they that we talked about a lot in that was. The stigma is definitely reduced from, say, when I was a kid, you know, back in the 80s, you know, nobody wanted to talk about any of this stuff. This was just, this was so taboo. My parents, I mean, like I said, my parents did what they could with what, with, with, with what they had available to them, but they weren't going to go talking to other people about this stuff. That just, you know, that, that was, you know, there was going to be too much, there's too much stigma, too much shame, too much and, and embarrassment it was around it. About, about, frowned upon and they would have been embarrassed and people would have been talking. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's just and, and then and then ultimately that would have made the situation for me worse if they yeah. did go around talking about it. We And they got me in therapy and it didn't really do much for me because I'm sitting there across the I'm sitting there across the room from this this guy going and he's just kind of sitting there looking at me. And I'm like, are you going to what, what, what? How does this work? What do we do? I think I was 15. The first time I walked out of a therapy session, I was like, hey, mom, this is this is stupid. Uh, but, you know, ultimately. I think we do need so to talk common, more about it. Not to interrupt you all the time that therapy is like dating. So even even if you're a kid, you need to date a bunch of therapists to find the right one. So I love what you said because you were probably just matched up with the wrong therapist, or it could have been the time. Who knows? You know, it could it could have been that I wasn't ready to share. It could have been that they didn't know how to handle me. It could have been. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a, there's a million different reasons why it doesn't yeah. work, and it it's one of the reasons why with the kids I work with, when it's more coaching, I, I work with some kids that are some pretty heavy, heavy mental health cases where therapy hasn't worked for them. But one of the things that I um, I demand. With the family, it's like I, I always – obviously, I'm always talking to the family first. Mom mom and or dad found me, got my name from somebody, however, however it went down. And I talked to them and pretty much every parent uh, family I talk to, they, they love that I'm talking to. They love that there's a resource that's not therapy. It's, it's based around the gym and physical activity. We go lift weights. We go hike. We go to the driving range. We go – Bowling, we you know whatever whatever it might be. I go throw a football around with the kids sometimes, mm-hmm. but it, the physical activity opens up the pathways to their emotions and talking, which is which is the end goal. Uh, but in so many cases, um, the parents are like, oh, let's go. How do we do this? And it's like, hold hold on, hold on. First off, I want to meet your son, daughter. I want to talk to them, and I want to make sure that they buy in. I want to make sure that one, they vibe with me, and I vibe with them. Because if we can't develop that relationship, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I do, how good I am at it, how much knowledge I bring to the table, or what I do. If they, if they're, if there's not a connection, it doesn't matter. And I make, I, I want the parents to disconnect for a second. I want buy-in from the kid without the parent pressing them. So usually, what I you know the way I do it is I, I say, hey, you know, let's let's get together as a group mom, dad, son or daughter, whatever it is. Um, let's talk for 15 minutes and I want you guys to excuse yourselves and let me talk to your kid. And in that conversation, I was like, hey, so what do you understand of what I do? Why are you here? And we talk about that. Sometimes these kids are like, I don't even know. I don't even know why I'm here. And it's like, OK, well, that's that's a problem. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but, but I make them, if they, if they, if they're on board, 
I go, are you on this? Do you want to do this? Not, not, not are your parents telling you you have to do this. Do you want to do this? Are you up for this? Are you ready? And some kids, they just, they're like, no, I don't really want to do this. So what's the point? Now, that's one of the things that could have been happening in these therapy sessions that I dealt with. And, uh, but, you know, again, there's so many moving parts, you know, years and years and years later when I was still having suicidal thoughts and I was still going to dark place. I was still really struggling. I mean, yeah. fortunately for me, my, my wife, um, about 10 years ago, I was in a really, I was in a bad place. I was in a really, really dark place. And she was like, you need to go see somebody. She actually, she didn't drag me there. Cause she knew that doesn't do any good, but she mm-hmm. set up an appointment and said, okay, pick one of these times and let's, let's, let's do this or else what are we doing here? And, you know, again, it wasn't the greatest therapy situation, but, you know, again, I learned from every, every one of these situations. Uh, but, um, going back to the the point, one of the biggest things is that parents need to understand it's okay to talk to your kids about this stuff, whether it's bullying, whether it's drugs, whether it's suicide, whether it's whatever it is, you're not putting that idea in their heads. And the old, the old myth is, well, if I ask my kid, if they're if they're thinking about suicide and they're not, then I just put that thought in their head. No, they believe me that they've thought about it. The thoughts cross their mind. No, they um, have. I mean, I, kids are smarter than we give them credit for. I, what, the, I wanted, thoughts, what I want to like close with, because I appreciate your, this hour so much. I could do a whole another hour with you because I think this is like, I am very passionate about this subject. Just, I, I think every parent loves their kid. I like what you said that not oh, all, yeah. not all kids are bad. A lot of it makes sense. Bullies become bullied kids become bullies themselves in my case. And mm-hmm. then I realized I made mistakes. I look back on things I did. I'm sorry if I was ever mean if everyone's anyone's listening to this that I was cuz I regret it. Um but I will say um in closing when we close this out, Joe, where can people find you? They want to contact you. Uh, so the, the the best place to find me is either you can just search Joe Constantine on Facebook, and mm-hmm. I mean I'm in Denver, Colorado. Um, I, my website is breakawayscores.com. It's kind of like breakaway in sports. Um, that's that's the business that my wife and I have around youth and teen mentoring, sports training, and also my wife does a lot of academics work with SAT and ACT um, preparation for kids going to college. And then also our other venture is called the Parent Tween Connection, uh, and that is a resource for parents to connect with the services that help families. Parents don't know how to talk to their kids. Mm-hmm. Kids don't want to hear it from their parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of there's a lot of resources out there in terms of coaches, therapy, just general family services that we're we're putting a link to all these, um, putting all this together, and we're having some great conversations about how do parents come in, how do I help my kids with this, and I and I can send you the the link for that as well, just so you can. Um, I would love it, and I'll, that, and I'll post yeah. that on my social media as well. Um, I and then as go ahead. Sorry. Uh, like you were saying <laughs> you were saying as closing like I, the one of the questions i get a lot from parents is how what can i do what what can i do best one of the things i say a lot is to parents and and it, it listen to your kids they're telling you more than you think they are um 
a lot of parents are waiting for the kids to come right out and say, I'm being bullied. I'm a bully. I'm doing drugs. I'm thinking about hurting myself. They're not going to do that. But if you if you pay attention, you, you, you know your kids better than anybody does. And you need to learn to read, the, read between the lines and understand that your kid needs support. And sometimes that support is you. Sometimes that support is somebody else. And that's for you and, and your family to figure out. But listen to your kids. A hundred percent. They need, and if your kid needs therapy, get them in therapy. The sooner you get your kid into therapy, the better, in my opinion. Um, our world is so crazy right now. I just, I, I'm a believer in there can't be enough therapy, but that's just me. Um, in closing, I just wanted to say um, September is um, Suicide Awareness Month. So if you follow me on social media, I'm posting a lot about that and maybe my own struggles. I'm very open with it. I love that Joe's open with his own story too. The more people that we get that are open with us, the easier I think it is for people to come forward and say they struggled and maybe our world will be a little bit better. Um, so this episode is in honor of Warren. Uh, I've become his mom, Kate came on the podcast a few months back and uh, Warren took his own life. Uh, in 2019 and I've become good friends with his mom Kate and I adore her and I just want people out there that are listening your I say this all the time your piece of the puzzle puzzle matters you matter keep going get help if you need to talk to somebody get help if you need I can recommend better help <clears throat> as my sponsor for this podcast I I myself am using better help um, I have a great therapist I was matched up with, and that part is not an ad. That's the truth. Um, what I will tell you, though, is there's always someone, there's always, a, tomorrow is always a better day, and we need you. We need your piece of the puzzle. So please remember that. Um, and in closing, thank you, Joe. I really appreciate your time, and I think you're awesome, and I hope my listeners reach out if they ever want to find out more about what you do, because I think it's great. And be happy by making other people happy, everyone. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.